Hello everyone and welcome back to another podcast. I'm going to try my best to get at least two podcasts out a month. Uh, I was doing one a week. Um, kind of got carried away with uh, with work and other projects and things. And then we were back in church and teaching uh, and doing other things. So um, been a little busy, but uh, I think that if I can focus on getting at least two out a month, that would be really exciting. I would be happy about that. So I apologize if you were waiting for a message, if you were checking back. It's been at least a couple months and I've had a few family members yelling at me, telling me that I should uh, put out another podcast, especially this one gentleman. I'm not mentioning any names, (laughs) but I do appreciate him in my life. He definitely uh, is motivating me and keeps me on the straight and narrow and helps support me so I appreciate all my family and friends and all the supporters out there I hope you're blessed by what you hear Um, today we're going to talk about um, a serious topic uh, but I think it's necessary and it's relevant especially um when we look at what's going on around us, uh, we kind of become complacent and uh, in a lot of areas, spiritually, and in a lot of other areas in our life. And I think sometimes we just need a wake-up call, and maybe 2020 is our wake-up call. I think it's a wake-up call for a lot of people, uh, not just uh, people in church, but people all around the world are starting to wake up and and they're starting to see the signs around us. Things are changing. Our world is rapidly changing before our eyes. And it's never going to be the same. I think there's a lot of people that are hoping that it's going to return to normal. Or return to a some sort of, uh, some sort of life that we had before 2020 hit and this whole pandemic. But... I think that life is forever changing and I think that it, even though it may seem like it's a bad thing, it is a good thing. I think it's a blessing in disguise. I think God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up to our mission, especially as Christians, and our mission is to minister, is it's to witness to people, it's to help bring people closer to Him and His uh, revelation and His spiritual power and a lot of people don't know where to look they don't know where to search and uh, so the topic that we're going to talk about today is a serious one but I want you to bear with me it is it has a good ending and it has a good message and there is a solution to our problem that we're going to be talking about today so I want to get started Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done in my life and everything you're doing in my family's life and every life that you've touched and, and, and helped and comforted and every body that you've healed, every mind that you've changed. He is just amazing and he's an awesome God and he's an awesome person to be uh, connected to. And I hope this message blesses the listener and blesses your heart, mind, and soul and gives you something to think about um, because it's something that me, myself, I have trouble thinking about um, 
but I think it's a necessary topic. So let's dive in. Second uh, Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 uh, is our scripture today. So once again, Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be separated from his presence. I don't want to be separated from his power. And that's what this scripture is talking about. That uh, even though we're in troubling times, we have no reason as Christians to be troubled. We can rest easy that God is going to be coming soon and that he's going to be revealing himself uh, to the whole world. And as the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen no matter what's happening right now. Eventually, everybody is going to have to bow to the one and only Almighty that we serve and that we love. Uh, the title of my message is The Art of Deception. And we're going to pray and get started. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do. And we thank you for your mighty hand in our life. And we thank you for your love and your forgiveness. And we thank you that you're faithful and we appreciate that you have given us an answer to this crazy world. You've given us an exit to when we leave this world that we are going to be with you in eternity and that we have a plan. We have the plan of salvation. We have the gospel to lead us there. That we do not have to be separated from your power. We don't have to be separated from your presence. That we will always remain with you and next to you and by you and and we will do that because you're leading us and we're allowing you to lead us and guide us through this world. And we do that through your power, not our own. And we do that through your plan and through your blood that you've shed. And we ask you to bless this message and bless uh, the listener and anoint my mouth, anoint my words and let your words be spoken and not mine. In your name, amen. So the title is The Art of Deception. And... We're going to be talking. There's a lot of deception in the world right now. There's a lot of things that are going on that um, we don't know what to believe. Uh, we can't really trust our government. We can't really trust the people that are leading us. We don't know what's right and what's wrong. There's like this huge gray area. We don't know who's lying, who's telling the truth. A lot of the times the media has uh, a hand in that. But we as Christians, we as people of God... We, as uh, people who are looking for direction, we need to uh, look to the one who said that I am the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. So if you want to know the truth, then that's the person that we need to be leaning on. That's the person that we need to be talking to and revealing that truth to us. And he will reveal that truth because there's a lie going around in the world. And this lie has been told for generations and but it's getting more and more a grand it's on a grander scale now people are starting to believe or not to believe so to speak that there isn't a hell um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today uh, nobody really likes to talk about it you don't really like to hear hear the word hell 
but it, it, it is a reality that we are going to spend eternity either in heaven or we're going to spend it separated from God in hell. And currently we live in a world that has been convinced that there is there is there can't be a place like hell. Either they just can't imagine that a place of such nightmarish horror can exist or maybe it's just their own fleshly desire that is allowing them to continue in their sin and their way of life and that that action alone won't allow them to believe that this place exists. And maybe it this is what causes them to ignore it. And it causes them to ignore even the slightest possibility that hell exists. And how can a God who is loving send his creation to hell? That's what you hear some people ask, which actually is a valid question. Why would he do that? And on the surface, it, it seems like a legitimate question. Why would he? If, he? if he loved us so much and he says that he does, why would he send us to a lake of fire to suffer for all eternity? It seems cruel. It seems unrealistic. It doesn't seem like a thing that a loving God would do. And as the world and even churches, they veer away from the topic of hell, the world becomes more and more um, kind of pulled into this lie and, and the world believes that there isn't a hell. And we don't hear, to tell you the truth, we don't hear hell preached much in churches anymore. And we sit in when I was a young kid, I remember uh, my dad was a preacher. We were raised in church, and we used to hear, hear hell preached about at least once a week, if not more than that. Uh, it was a big thing because, um, and yeah, it's scary to hear that. It's scary to talk about. It's not a fun topic to, to listen to, but um, sometimes we need to have a little bit of reverential, godly fear placed in our hearts that keeps us on the straight and narrow, that keeps us uh, focused and, and walking down the correct path. And I kind of wonder myself, you know, uh, why, why isn't it preached? Why don't we hear it as much as we used to? And you know what? I, I think it's, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's because I don't know if churches are scared of scaring people away and so they veer away from the topic. Maybe the world believes more and more that there isn't a hell. So uh, if you preach about it, then you're going to scare some of your congregation away and people are not going to want to come to church. And, and, but you know what? We don't hear it preach much. And it seems as though the church has steered away from that topic. And maybe, to, maybe it is to save face with the congregation. And like I said, maybe they don't want to scare people away. But sometimes as a saint of God, and I'm speaking of myself personally, I believe in hell and I need to remind myself that there is a hell and I don't want to think about it, nor do I want to uh, try to think about it. But I know deep down in my heart that there is one and I must be reminded of it. It keeps me faithful. It keeps me looking inward. It keeps me changing. It keeps me humble and it keeps me looking um past myself and transcending my own power and looking to a higher power to help me change, to help me get there. Because I know that if I get to heaven, I'm not going to get there under my own power. I'm not going to get there because um, I did enough works or did enough good things to get me there. 
God is going to get me there. Jesus dying on that cross and shedding his blood and me applying that plan of salvation to my life and applying that gospel to my life is going to get me there. And we live in a world that is growing more evil day by day. So we have to believe that if there is evil in the world, then there has to be good. So if there's a heaven, then there has to be a hell. Some don't believe it. They don't believe in either. But I believe that if there is good and evil, then there has to be a supreme being who judges us by our deeds and by a law defined by his idea of morality, not our own idea of morality. And this is the problem that we see in the world right now is morality is defined by the individual who's always, if, if you're defining your own morality, then, the, then it's going to be subjective and it's going to be subjective to your own life. So each person will always live by a moral code that suits their lifestyle or their individual will. And what you think is moral may not be moral to someone else. And this type of moral inconsistency is exactly why our society is in the shape that it's in. It is why we would rather watch someone get beat up on and videotape it than to help out and actually right the wrong that is happening before us. There was a, a girl who actually murdered her boyfriend. And this is crazy. This is the society that we live in. This girl murdered her boyfriend. And when police were done questioning her, she was upset. She was about to get taken out of the room. She was about to be handcuffed. They were going to take her mugshot. Um, so they're about to do that. She was actually more upset that she didn't wear makeup before she took her mugshot than she was killing her boyfriend. She was more worried about how she looked in her mugshot than the fact that she had just stabbed her boyfriend to death over 20 sometimes and shot him. So this is the type of world that we're living in and our minds, people are going crazy. They don't know what to think anymore. They don't know how to think. The line between right and wrong is being blurred. The line between good and evil is being blurred. And we have become desensitized to violence and sexual indecency decency and other morally depraved things that plague our society. And when we crush any possibility of an absolute moral code, and, and to me, when I say absolute moral code, I'm talking about a godly code, God's code, one that transcends a code of our own making. We blur the line when we crush any uh, possibility of an uh, absolute morality and what is wrong and what is right and because we are living by man's interpretation of morality and not God's interpretation of morality. And you hear it all the time. You know, people tell you, live your life. You only have one life to live. Live it how you want to. As long as you're not hurting anybody, then, you know, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay, but there's a problem with that because each person's, um, each person, each person has their own view of what is good and what is bad. And so if we all live by our own view and our own definition of morality, then those definitions and that views, they all get distorted and there's this huge gray area. And that's why we're seeing all the chaos that we're seeing in our society right now. Luke 12, 4 through 5 states, And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body 
and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast you into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And what the scripture is saying is don't be afraid. Don't be so worried about what men think of you. What man says about you. You need to be more worried about what God thinks of you. And those people out there can judge us and they can put us down and they can look down on us and they can even kill us, but they can't send us to hell. And yet we are so worried about what people think about us and what this world thinks about us that we are willing, this is big, that we are willing to compromise our own morality just to fit in or just to be accepted. I don't want to compromise my morality or compromise what I feel God has shown me on how I should live my life and how I should conduct my life because I want to fit in with the world or I don't want people to make fun of me and I want to be accepted by by the world and I want to be accepted and not, um, I want to be a friend and not an enemy. Sometimes you're going to make, you're going to make enemies and people aren't going to always like how you live your life and what you do. And that doesn't matter. That, that's the same whether you're in church or you're not in church, whether you're a Christian or not. Not everybody's going to agree with everything that you do. So we can't be subjected to a man's version of morality or a man's opinion of us. And when I say man, I'm speaking of humanity. We're talking about men and women. It doesn't matter. This world will, tell, will do everything it can to destroy you, to bring you down, to break you down. Uh, they can't do any. They can't sell you anything without first convincing you that you actually need it, or that you're worthless without it, or that can't you can't live without it. And so they have to bring you down. They that's that's the world's job. Is it's to, it's not the. It very rarely does anything to bring you up, and to help you um, overcome. Um, God helps us overcome. He is with us and he is for us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? So we have to steer away from what man thinks of us and what world the world thinks of us and start looking more towards what God thinks of us because God is the one who in the end is going to judge whether we are fit to go to heaven to be with him or if we are fit to go to hell. And I don't want to go to hell. Every day I want to try to better myself and I want to try to uh, be, get closer to him and, and obtain more of his identity. I want to look more like him every day. I want to talk more like him every day. I want to think more like him. I want to see more like him every day. So God says specifically in that scripture, don't fear them. Fear me. I'm the one who can send you to hell. And he doesn't want to. After all, God made hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't make it for man. He came to seek and save those that were lost. Not condemn them. He came to give us a way out, a plan of salvation. And it's through the cross and the shedding of his blood that saved us from eternal damnation. We have to allow him to apply it to our lives through repentance, baptism, and receiving the Holy Ghost. This is the plan of salvation. This is how we make it. This is how we see him. And this is how we're 
we're going to eliminate that separation. We're going to be able to be with him and in his presence. There is a plan. God does not want anyone to go to hell. He wants us to all make the choice to be with him. But he's not going to force you to be with him. Because that's not love. God, if he wanted to, could force everybody to want to choose him and go to heaven. But that is not true love. True love, if you really love something, if you really love God, then you're going to want to be with him. You're going to do everything that you can to save yourself from this untoward generation. And God's going to help you. But we have to allow him to help us save ourselves. And there's only one way to do that. Like the scripture says, we need to apply the gospel. God is going to um, reward those who follow the gospel and he's going to penalize those who don't. Our God is a loving God. And because he loves us, he gives us that choice. We have a choice to do what is right. We have a choice to do what is wrong. We have a conscience that tells us what we are about to do is not right. It is a conscience that God himself gave us so that we can make the right decisions. We have a choice to serve him and we have a choice to serve the world or ourselves, so to speak. If we serve him, then we're choosing to go to heaven. If we, choose, if we don't, then we're choosing to serve the world and thus choosing to go to hell. You see, people think that God is going to send people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We choose, we make the choice to serve him or we make the choice not to serve him. So in essence, we are making the choice to either go to heaven or go to hell. If God, if God loves you as he says he does, then he can't force you to serve him because that's not love. Your free will, your, the, 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 the reason why you have free will is because that's God's proof that he loves you. And as much as he wants you to love him and serve him, he can't force you to do so. You have to choose to do that. Everything in life is a choice, including whether or not you want to serve him and go to heaven or serve him and go to hell. As a parent, my children can choose to abide by my rules and obey them. If they don't, there are consequences for disobeying them. We live in a society that has laws that govern it. If you break the law, then there's a consequence for it. And the severity will vary depending on the law that was broken. So a judge has to pass judgment on you according to the laws that govern you, according to which laws you have broken. Now, God works the same way. His moral code and, and his law book is the Bible. It is a roadmap to live a godly life and to get us to heaven. And though God is loving, part of being loving is his just nature. God is a just God. Wrongs will be punished and they will be punished according to his laws and his guidelines. So after all, how, how can God call himself just if there's no punishment for sin? If if the rapist, the murderer, the child molester can just live a full life and die and end up in heaven and nowhere at all or nowhere at all, how is that just? So the victims, their their families and everyone else involved have to suffer a lifetime of mental, emotional, and physical trauma while 
the offender just gets to live his or her life out and die with no punishment. And that's not just. I mean, what about Hitler? Was his sole purpose to be born and kill millions of people and then kill himself and just pass into nothingness and with no punishment for his crimes? So the more you read the Bible, you're going to realize that Jesus, I know most people at least believe in Jesus, he himself preached about hell more than he did about heaven. It is a real place. And those who don't follow the gospel and follow Jesus will end up there. Jesus himself said it. He preached about it all the time. And he didn't preach about it to condemn people or shame people. He preached about it because he wanted people to realize that, look, this is serious. There is an eternity. We're going to spend an eternity somewhere. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. And I don't want you to go there. I've come so you will have a way out so that you will be saved, so that you will not have to go there. All you have to do is pick up your cross and follow me. You have to, you have to repent. You have to get baptized. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. You ha- that is the plan of salvation. That is the gospel. You see, the devil, he doesn't have to convince you that he exists or that hell exists. He just has to convince you that he doesn't and that hell doesn't exist. See, this is the art of the devil's deception. This is his primary weapon against your soul. He's the great deceiver, and he is a perfectionist at deceiving people. It is an art form. Deception is an art form, just like like anything else. And he's the master of it. And once he convinces you that there is no hell, that there is no devil, that there is no God... He can now enact the lie that you can live life by your own moral code, the code that you want. This is all deception. And he wants to convince you that your idea of morality is good enough. And what you deem as good, oh, that's okay. And what another deems as good, well, that's okay too, you know, as long as you guys aren't hurting anybody. And well, the problem is, is who defines good? And what version of a billion versions of good is the right one? So one person thinks that cheating on a test is okay and another person's like, nope, that's wrong. That's not right. But if another person's idea of good, if their moral code doesn't uh, convict them that cheating on a test is wrong, then that, that can't, those two things can't be right. They can't, one of those is wrong and one of them is right. Everybody cannot be right. You know, depending on what they define their moral code or what they guide their life by, the moral code that they guide their life by. So we can't, this is why we must have a moral code that is outside of our own, that transcends our own moral code. Jesus says that if we have hatred in our heart, then we've already committed murder. So if we have hatred for somebody, We have committed murder. His laws go so deep that he even says that if a man looks at another woman with lustful eyes that he has already committed adultery in his heart. And if you have unforgiveness in your heart, then you by we can't be forgiven by God because he forgave us. So we must forgive others. So these are things that God considers sins. 
even if you look at someone, so his moral code, if you look at someone with a lustful eye or a lustful intent, then that you've already committed adultery in your heart, whether you're a man or woman, no matter what it is. So his moral code is so much higher than ours. And when you look at that, you realize, you know what? That's right. You know, how can I say that I love God if I hate my brother? And the Bible says that there's no love in you if you if you say you love God but hate your brother. You're a liar. But that's a lie. You can't you can't live that lie because you God Himself doesn't have hatred in His heart. So if you hate your brother, then how can you say you love God? So we must seriously think. I know this is not a you know feel good. Um, jumping up hoorah message but it's definitely something to think about it's we have to we cannot believe the lie that the devil is telling the world that um, hell does not exist because it does exist Jesus himself preached about it so many times more than he preached about heaven when I was in the world um, I uh I was in the world for 30 years. I grew up in church. I was in the church for about nine years and then out of church for about 30. Um, uh, towards the beginning, well, towards the end where I started to come back to church, um, probably about three or four months, I was thinking about getting a tattoo on my back. And this tattoo, it had some very um, spiritual meaning uh, in it and it portrayed exactly what I was going through at the time. Um, it was a picture, it was a tattoo of me with, with my back and I'm reaching up towards heaven. And my, you can only see the top of my torso from the waist down. It was other arms grabbing me, pulling me down. So it was like I was being pulled down towards hell by all these other arms. And one of my arms, my left arm was also being pulled down as my right arm was reaching up into he the heavens. And God had his hand on my right hand and he's pulling me up towards him. And I was about to get that tattoo uh, on my back. And think of the irony of that is I knew this tattoo explained exactly what I needed to do. I just needed to reach out and grab a hold of him and have him help me and save me from my sin and save me from the pit that I was digging myself in. And instead of just going to church and going to him and getting the strength that I needed and getting back into his presence, I would have rather tattooed my entire back with the very answer and the very solution that I needed to do. And that is how strong sin is and that is how strong the pull of the world is is that even though I knew the answer I still could not make the steps to go back and get myself right with God I would have rather gotten a tattoo and spent a thousand dollars on my back than actually just go back to him and ask for forgiveness and trust him that he was going to help me change myself, help me change my mind, help me change the way that I saw the world, the way that I saw myself, the way that I treated my family, my, my loved ones, my friends. 
So if you're listening out there and you are struggling and you are away from God and you're a backslider or you are just someone who has been searching for something, an answer to help you pull yourself out of the hole that you are in and get the weight of sin off your back, well, there is an answer. There is a solution. You don't have to be separated from God for eternity. You don't have to go to hell. There is a heaven and there is a God that came and clothed himself. He robed himself in flesh and he died on that cross and he shed his blood for your sin and for your transgressions. And he loved you when you were dead in your sin. And he wants you. He wants a relationship. He wants to be your leader. He wants to be your savior. He wants to show you what you can be with him, guiding you and leading you. And you just have to take that step and reach out your hand and let him take you and help you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this message. We thank you for your blessed word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. We thank you for dying on that cross that we can have a chance to be with you and to share in your your presence, all of our testimonies. And I can't wait to, to see you and to throw that crown that's going to be placed on my head at your feet and to know that there's no way that I could have gotten there myself. There's no way that I could have made it without your help, without your guidance, and without your leadership. And I'm so thankful to be saved. I'm so thankful to know you. And I hope that if there's someone out there that needs you, that is searching for you, that they are able to find you and that you are able to help them and save them from this world and save them from what is coming because there is an eternity and there is a choice and we will either be with you in heaven or separated from you in hell. And I hope that and pray that this message saves someone and leads them closer to you. In your blessed name we pray. Amen. Well, I love you all and I'm praying for everyone. Also pray for me and my family. We definitely appreciate the prayers. And uh, I hope you have a blessed New Year's. Stay safe. And um, God bless you. Amen. <laughs>